Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 174. If you're keeping track, anybody out there listen to all 174 episodes except for Dave? Um, and me. And Fredo. And yeah. Um, so anyway, but uh, I'm Aaron. And with me as always, the other members of the Who Dat Jedi Council, Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Doing well. Yeah, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, so uh, big night here at the Swoboda household because the Pelicans are playing on. So my wife is a happy camper because she has her college football and she has basketball and she has saints football. So it's like the Venn diagram of awesomeness, you know, um, two of the three already won. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Man should have, should have bought lottery (laughs) tickets. I mean, for the Huskers (laughs) to win a game, um, they'll get there. They, They will get there. Um, but anyway, I digress. I mean, you can't be mad at what happened on Sunday, though. That was a, I mean, that was a fun, fun experience watching the Saints uh, put the nail in the coffin of the dynasty that was the Patriots. Let me talk about something that's kind of interesting, though. Um, it it kind of goes. We've talked about it before. You know, we, like with Star Wars, we've talked about gatekeeping. We've talked about gatekeeping in in new orleans as well and so mm-hmm. um so Brittany and i on saturday went to uh avenue pub and got some lunch and it was um the, the, it was the fourth quarter of the lsu game and the and it was i think lsu went 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 ahead and the whole bar just went ah yay and you know everything and, mm-hmm. and brit and i are just eating our tater tots and checking our phones and you know talking away and everything and this guy comes up and says, are you, are you not watching the football game? And we're like, eh, yeah, it's on there on the TV. Are you not LSU fans? I said, I said, I'm not anti-LSU. But it's mm-hmm. like, it, it, he was just like shocked that I was not jumping up and down, cheering for, it's like, you know, there are people in this state that went to other schools other than LSU. And just because I moved to, New Orleans doesn't mean that I have to be an LSU fan. Maybe I'm a Tulane fan, you know, but it's like, it's like I was just like, you know, but I told him, I said, not anti-LSU, you know, but uh, it was uh, just one of those things where it's like, leave me alone. Let me eat my tater tots, you know, and cheer on your team and that'll be fine. So. Yeah, that, that was, so that was an interesting experience because Sunday uh, on my soccer game kind of had ran into the Saints game. This kickoff for that Arsenal Manchester City matches at 10:30, and kickoff for the Saints Patriots game was noon. So it all of a sudden became a dynamic where you had it's like this, you know, all the people coming in for the Saints. It was like, uh, can we switch over to the Saints game? So the Finnicals had some TVs for them. They're like, but, but I want to watch it here. And they're like, no, they're watching. They're finishing up that game. As soon as it's done, they'll switch over. And people are like, the Saints are on, and you're like, yeah. And, they're here watching this. Relax, you know. So it does happen where people just kind of panic and tend to forget that there's other allegiances throughout the city. Well, I mean, I, yeah. you know, like I said I get when LSU won the national championship. You know, it was I was excited for my neighbors and friends who, you know, who were LSU fans and LSU grads. Like that's great, you know. But uh, I mean, and me and. I'm also the the college football watcher where I watch my team mm-hmm. and very rarely do I watch other college football. It's like, you know, I don't, it's 
It's not where I went to school. It's not where I paid my money. It's not where my allegiance is. I just really, I don't wish you any harm except unless you're Texas. But, you know, it's like, I don't care, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, but anyway, yeah, just, mm-hmm. Dave, you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to sort of back you up in, that, in saying that I, I don't have a lot of tolerance for that sort of um, fealty or the demanded fealty to the local sports team because I grew up in that where our my dad was a Kansas State graduate uh, fan. Our family, our whole family were fans. And like my entire childhood into high school was just like, well, why don't you root for KU? Like, why not? Like, like it was expected. And I'm like, no, like that's not who that's not I yet. root for. Yeah. No. So, yeah. It's also, and you'll back me up on this one, I'm sure, Mr. K State. I am, I have been anti Colorado since like the early 80s, and it has nothing to do with Deion Sanders. <laughs> so, so you're, you're in hog heaven right I, now. You get to I, root against I Deion. Hate, I did watch those. I, when they lost two games, I hate watched Colorado losing, you know, those two games and I, yes i felt good anyway so <clears throat> like i said that goes back to the big eight never liked colorado respect oklahoma you know i don't i i, I do <laughs> but but colorado no colorado hey, anyway we're not here to talk college football um i do want to throw a shout out i don't know if the guys listen to this but i was listening to the nerd uh nerd uh, cave retro um podcast you know the guys have been on before and they actually did a um, a Patreon special, and they then they posted on their regular feed, and where they're uh, talking about Ahsoka, so they they talked about Star Wars mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, so that was it was it was a really good episode with those two. So we're gonna have to have them back on again. So yeah, they're uh, great. But uh, anyway, so tonight we're gonna be talking about the Ahsoka finale, and I have left uh, Dave and Fredo, you know, wondering what what I'm thinking about this. Um, I have, I have, I'm of mixed emotions and really how I feel about this episode. Um, we're going to have to wait to find it. We're, it. I'll explain later, but it all depends on what happens next. It all depends on what happens next. Um, like I said, I, you know, I, yeah, so we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about, it. there's a lot of cool things, um, you know, so we're going to talk about our thoughts and uh, how we felt about it as a um, season finale and stuff like that. And uh, maybe the overall arc. But uh, before we do that, what am I reaching there for? We're going to do some trivia. Ba-da-ba-ba. By the way, um, uh, I think it was TBS was showing Star Wars Marathon. And they actually were playing the Clone Wars movie. Um, right before it was FX, it was FX. It was one of yeah, them. They're all they all are neighbors in the channels. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then when Return of the Jedi came on, I didn't turn the channel quick enough when they did uh, Jedi Rocks. Who does Qui-Gon admonish? Whenever you gamble, my friend, eventually you'll lose. I, I want to say, I mean, the easy answer there is Watto. So I'm going to go with Watto. 
It is Wado. I was going to ask you to do it in the most offensive accent as you could. No, I'm not going to mention Republic Credit. We'll move right past along. All right. So one for one here. Dave, to you, what age does Anakin think he was when he and his mother were sold to Wado? This is kind of a deeper cut than that one, but it's funny that we have much two Wado. Yeah, much deeper. What age does Anakin think he was when he and his mother were sold to Wado? Um, four? Oh, you're very close. You're very close. You're almost going to give the right, the right answer, I think, and then you switched it to four, didn't you? Or were you just... It's not like you were going to say three, because he said three. The answer is three. Okay. So... Yeah, we'll yeah that's what I was going to say. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't I, I'd have to. I don't even think I remember him saying that. I. But anyway. All right. Oh, my God. What color eyes does Jabba the Hutt peer through? <laughs> Jabba's eyes. That sounds like an 80s, like, slow dance song. Um, it's got... Jabba's eyes. I think they're yellow, aren't they? Orange. I thought someone to start saying brown eyed girl just because. But I'll give you half a point for that. I'll give you half yeah. a point for being, yeah. you know, a year off from Anakin. Fredo can <laughs> suck it for having an easy question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, any news this week? There's nothing really happening. I mean, the... uh, not really. I mean, uh, with the writers back on. Uh, SAG AFTRA is having talks currently this week with the studios, so that's happening. Realistically, we you know writers are back, so we've seen some of the shows like the talk shows and the, the morning and evening shows kind of come back. But really, now we're waiting for uh, the actors to finalize their deal because once their contract the situation settled, then you'll figure that a lot of the productions that were about to finish or about to start will kick into high gear. But yeah, so for right now, actually, the one bit of news I'll mention, and this is more for Dave who took his headphones off because, you know, uh, he's a gamer. Uh, trying to confirm the date. So, you know, December, hold on, just making sure. Yeah, Nintendo Switch is coming out with the Star Wars Heritage Pack. So on December 8th, you get a, a video game that has seven classic games, which includes Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic 2, Force Unleashed, Star Wars Racer, Republic Commando, and Jedi Knight 2, and Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. So if for 60 bucks, if you never played these classic Star Wars games, hey, you can have them all in physical format, not just digital. Which I actually think you can buy it now in digital, but it's like $79.99. On the Switch, you said? On the Switch, yes. Whereas if you wait for December, you can get them for sixty bucks regular price. Oh. Hmm. So if you if you wanted to play the Star Wars Racer on the Nintendo Switch, I have I actually have Star Wars Racer on the Switch. I did buy that mm -hmm. like it was like six bucks or something like that. Mm -hmm. The graphics are awful. They were awesome when you know it first came out, but now just Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, exactly. We're talking twenty five some odd years now. Come on. Uh, yeah. this is coming from the guy who loves Donkey Kong. Um, but uh, no, 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 that, might be, that might be worth $60. Yeah, I'd say if, if you don't own some of these games, you need to backfill your catalog, you know, or some of these we missed the first time around. I still haven't played Knights of the Old Republic. 
That's way up on my to-do list. That one and Knights of the Republic too. If nothing else, those are worth the price of admission, just because they are so much fun. There's so much backstory. There, there's a sadness to uh, to Knights of the Republic too, which didn't get done completely, but they do such a tremendous job. This is back when Bioware was really knocking it out the park. So, if you have never played it, get it, play it. You'll be happy. I have a bit of news <clears throat> to throw in there. I uh, just found out the other day, Katie Sackoff is coming to uh, Fan Expo New Orleans. Oh, nice. Um, she was supposed to be here last year and then had to cancel. Um, so there's another autograph I'm going to need to get for my Mandalorian uh, poster. Um, and by the way, we reported a couple weeks ago that um, Matt Lanter and Ashley Eckstein and James Arnold Taylor mm -hmm. were all on the list, and they are not. You must have been reading last no, year's docket. Right now, they just have the voice actors for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, so. They were on that. They were on the website because I was on the official website. I'm yeah. actually on the official website, and they took them off. Yep. So yeah, there may have been some sort of conflict. Maybe they'll get there. Who knows? But anyway, uh, but yeah, Katie Sackoff is so um there we go yeah. um three star wars books released today too really mm -hmm. also true yeah what which ones well one of them is the one about kira i forget the name off the top of my head um but there was a novel about kira between well, the prologue it, of solo and the if it was a disney uh, plus show it would just be called kira but anyway keep yes yeah. probably so um it's like rise of i don't i don't even remember i gotta look that up i gotta look that up but um yeah there's that one there's a star wars cookbook and then i think there's one that's high republic ish for mm -hmm. kids yep yep you're correct cool yeah it's uh so the answer to the question is uh the high republic jedi brave in every way which is for little kids uh you get star wars the ultimate cookbook I don't know what makes it the ultimate. I cookbook. have I have Wookie cookies. That's a well. That might, that might be in here, or uh, you get Crimson Climb is the name of the novel. Crimson Climb regarding Kira, and then there's a trade paperback collection of uh, Volume Seven of Darth Vader. You know the comic book series, kind of collected. So if you feel the need to uh, not you know buy, have it in fiscal format, it's unavailable. All right. Well, there we go. Start your Christmas um, purchasing early, kids. You can get mm -hmm. Star Wars video games and books and all sorts of things. Cool. All right. Well, let's dive into this uh, this finale of Ahsoka. couple time couple moments of reflection um in some places but not for, didn't last very long um i mean like i said overall I, I enjoyed the episode um my i will i'll preface all of my comments before we get into all these so you know where i'm coming at i would feel a heck of a lot better about how this episode was put together written 
portrayed and everything if I knew for sure that a season two was coming. If this is all, oh, yeah. we, if this is all we get, then I think they they fumbled or took a knee in a couple places. Um, and there's, there's, I mean, I'm just right now. I'm just sitting in there in this, you know, I'm, it's going to be National Treasure two all over again, where you know I get excited for what's on page fifty three, and then it's like, Bob, you know, no, nope, we're not going to do it. So and be and if we if we didn't have Bob Geiger, Bob Geiger, Bob uh, Iger. Bob Iger. Bob Geiger was a friend of our family. Bob Iger, you know, kind of kind of anti-Disney Plus and trying to pump the brakes on some things. Like I said, so it's I'm just I'm I'm more of a like I said, if it if it's a if there is a season two, then I'll feel a lot better. Um but um I don't trust that there will be a season two. Now they could continue stories on into Skeleton Crew, but we don't know if that's going to get released. Uh, well, yeah, that's the question because uh, they've, 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 show, yeah. they've shown things. And I mean, it's like a lot of things been announced. So uh, I'm, st- I'm just pumping. I'm just like, you know, so I'm not going to run down the episode. There's some things where I just didn't, I, I wish it would have been written differently um, and portrayed differently. Um, overall, it was very exciting. It was very good. Um, if there's a season two, you know, many thumbs up. If it's just end of season one, and that's all we get then it's kind of eh. um and 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 sorry and Britt and i talked about this it's like george lucas wrote um you know a new hope not knowing if he was going to be able to write a sequel but they left that little door cracked open that you know darth vader got away so it it gave you the possibility of we can continue this story because the baddie got away you know but otherwise there was kind of there was some you know closure um this just left so many things just kind of still unanswered yep honestly yeah that's what's interesting about it i mean on a kind of sixty thousand foot view of of the episode in the season i enjoyed it tremendously i thought and I kind of and I kind of hinted at this before while we were coming on is that there's the emotional payoff of the journey and there's the story payoff of the journey, and I think in this instance, Dave Filoni and crew picked the emotional payoff, giving you that satisfaction, giving you those moments where Thrawn wins and and Ezra gets back, and so giving you those moments that made you feel good. I will do. I will, without, I will without resolving quite all the questions that you had about the story, I will disagree that they did not. They did not hit the landings on the emotional payoffs, and we'll we'll talk about that. So I'll do. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit on that one. Um, okay, but, but, I, I that's, see, kind of, but that's kind of where I yeah. see it. It's like they had a choice to go. Do we answer all the questions, you know, plot wise, which would have made this episode move have to move faster? Or do we focus on kind of where the big emotional core of this is, which is Ahsoka, Sabine, Ezra, Thrawn? That's what they chose to go with. Uh, yeah, regarding that, uh, you know, where this goes, uh, I would be stunned if this doesn't go to a season two. There's just way too much work to do. Because to, this is eventually going to be paid off in a movie. 
I just can't see them not going back. You'll be stunned if it doesn't go to season two after all yes. the crap that we've gone through with like sequels and announcements and everything else and Disney stock tanking. I would not be stunned. I, I, I would be stunned would only be because the guy writing it stunned. is the golden goose. <laughs> Yeah. It's gonna. I think it's gonna depend a lot on the ratings. Um, and when the Which ratings, were? they were so so to begin with. Maybe they picked up. Man, it doesn't. I don't that know. Depend on who you listen to, because like you listen to some podcasts, and everybody's like, everybody's over the moon about Ahsoka, and it's like, I have not heard a negative word about Ahsoka, but I don't know how many people are watching it. But Dave, what's your Cliff's notes of the finale? Just kind of. Well, this is fun because I I feel like Aaron, you're in the position of saying like, gosh, they didn't resolve anything, and Fredo's is, is kind of in the middle. Like, well, they did some things emotionally, and I actually feel like they they stuck the landing. Um, I really liked this episode a great deal, um, and a lot of that ties in with what I was talking about last week, which was sort of the larger themes. Um, and how they relate to Ahsoka as a character. Um, for me, the show is needed to be about her. And I, I, we've talked about it again and again with the naming convention of these shows being wrong and how, like, you've got, you know, Boba Fett, like, halfway through becomes Mandalorian, you know. And uh, you got all these these issues that's a very good point. and like and this this ending for me was very much about ahsoka and about her journey that's and so for me point. they it I, nailed and, it and I, I i i like that point i don't disagree with you on on that um <laughs> where I, you'll hear where i think they missed the landings on a few places but do you think because everybody was saying this is going to be rebels season five and I think we could have then just been dismissed it and said, okay, internet, just shut up. It's about Ahsoka. But Filoni says it's a, it's essentially Rebel Season 5. So then I think he opens himself up to some criticism. Um, if he would have said, no, this is Ahsoka's story with some people that you've seen before. You know what I mean? It's like, so, and I, but I... I think sometimes Filoni is brilliant with press, but I think sometimes he's just not all that good with press either. But um, I mean, so like I said, I just, when you mentioned that, I was like, that was really interesting because I bet if we, we took a lot of people who watched the Ahsoka and they would probably think, oh yeah, it's about the continuation of the Rebels story. Or is it about Ahsoka? You know, so if you look at it through the lens of this is about Ahsoka, I think you're probably right. Um. So that's interesting. That might shade some things that I'm going to say. But um, uh, let's dive into some of the, the high points here. Um, we start off, uh, Morgan gets initiated as a knight sister, and we get the Sword of Talzin. Um, on, on a side note, um, if, if you never saw any Clone Wars, don't know who Mother Talzin is, doesn't matter she got a fancy glowing green sword right um if you're watched clone wars you're like oh that's kind of cool all right i recognize that name um i do want to point out though that um one of one of brit's um co-workers 
who didn't watch Clone Wars or Rebels was enjoying Ahsoka. Then about halfway through the season, he says, I feel like I've missed something. It, is there is there something I suddenly felt like it was becoming, you know, something he just couldn't wrap his hands around. Um, and that might be like another conversation at some point. But I just want to point out that we get the sort of Talzin. I was like, okay, I, you know, and I don't even remember the episode where she had it. But she got a cool glowing green sword. So what you what'd you make of uh, her becoming an official night sister? I thought it was a good wave. Good way to open. Um, we've been waiting for something to kind of come to fruition with those characters, and it finally did. And they got it out of the way at the very beginning of the episode. It was basically the perfect way to open this episode, in my opinion. Aaron's <laughs> raising his hand. You said something. We've been waiting. And this is one of the things where I said, I, they, this kind of, I, I didn't, I was like, cool, she's a night sister. Why the hell didn't they do this four episodes ago when all we've been getting from Morgan Elsbeth is standing there next to Thrawn going, really? You don't want to send another TIE fighter? Really? You don't want to send some more troopers? That's all this character's been doing for like four episodes. Why now? Why couldn't, you know, why couldn't they have initiated her into things and then and i'll get to some other things we could have used with morgan but it it, it's it was cool but it just seemed you said they let's let's get it out of the way and let's hurry up and and do it but that's way it felt was like you know a little bit of let's we got to do this and i would agree that they could have done a little bit more with her prior to this point but i felt like this um particular initiation ceremony what have you it was well served at this stage of the story because it sort of ratcheted up the stakes a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. Fredo, what do you think of the glowy green sword thing? Do you did you remember it from Clone Wars? Yeah, I remember the episode when uh, uh, Count Dooku and Weavis and uh, they all turn up to destroy the Night Sisters, and she has that duel. That's where you see it. Uh, I, I thought I thought it was a good way. Of bringing her back into the forefront. Remember, the first time we met Morgan was in episode five, I believe, of season two of Mandalorian, when she had that uh, staff made entirely out of uh, um, what you might call it, Mandalorian, a Beskar. So she's we know that she can go toe to toe with Ahsoka physically, you know, in terms of a battle. So given her uh, glowy green sword that can go with a lightsaber, cool. I also thought about it in terms of well, Shin is gone, Balin's gone. You need kind of somebody with some weight and some power to stand up to Ahsoka because mm-hmm. most of the stormtroopers or the night troopers, I'm sorry, are not going to be able to do that. So it's it's interesting. They give her the sword, but they also tell her it's a sacrifice. You're, you're not coming home with us. And so I think it's a double-edged sword, so to speak. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Uh, just the idea of Okay, we are granting you the power. We have we are sitting you on the council, but now you gotta die, die for us. So thank you. Yeah, I see that. Like I said, I might, and I, we'll get to more about Morgan a little bit later. That just mm-hmm. made me sit there and go, man. That talk about a a character that could have had could have done more in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, I mean, okay. So if we go from the glowing green sword um, and her initiation. 
to uh, Ezra building a lightsaber um, in Hu Yang's uh, workshop. Um, and this was so Ezra. You know, it was, it was, I mean, at first it was like, what's he doing? But then I'm like, yeah, that, that is absolutely Ezra. And again, I can't remember the uh, Imam. What's it? What's it? Esman. What? Yeah, Imam is Afandi. Yeah, he just, he nailed that character. And mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, and like I said, in building that lightsaber, I, I liked the, you know, poignancy of, you know, getting Kanan's um, emitter you know, second emitter. Um, yeah, it was, it was, but like I said, just the whole interaction, it was just all as well. What I loved about it was simply how it ties back to the overall theme of the season about masters and apprentices, about passing on knowledge, what you inherit from the people who train and guide you, because you got uh, Sabine standing by the side and she sees him, you know, kind of happy of being, being Ezra just geekily putting together his lightsaber and when Hu Yang starts talking about the connection the bond that Ezra has built with Kanan over his years now that she's getting up it's almost like she gets a moment to consider and juxtapose her own relationship with her master and how that hasn't necessarily been the same as Kanan and Ezra's but that's because they're different people. But, but uh, I love that moment because it allows us to bring back that that as a point that's going to impact the story as towards then. Dave, because you've been through this, um, what would you think now? Because it's going to need a little bit of a refre uh, like freshening up, I suppose. What would you think if uh, Savvy's workshop now, like, like every second or third, whatever, not every single one, but all of a sudden it's Hu Yang, you know, you wheel out an animatronic Hu Yang uh, doing the whole build a lightsaber thing. That'd be kind of neat. Or even if it's not him, just that that sort of notion of, ooh, this emitter had a special connection with so-and-so, you know. I was like, oh, gosh, you know, like, oh, the, ah, this design was a favorite of Qui-Gon Jinn's, you know. Yeah. It's like... um. Yeah, no, like they could do a lot with that and it would be great. But um, this scene was, it was, yeah, I agree. It was great. Um, and for the exact same reasons that you pointed out, um, we get more in touch with Ezra and we get to see that he's not, maybe not quite as rusty as he lets on in some respects. Um, but also we learn a lot more about Sabine and how she is jealous of that master Padawan relationship because she doesn't have it. And it's crazy to me because she's jealous of a relationship between a person and another person who has been dead for, you know, 15 years or whatever. Um, but yet that bond is still there. It endures. So, so let's, okay. You, you bring it up. So let's talk about, let's, let's lead into Sabine and Ahsoka because it starts with, um, all of a sudden, Ezra turns around and says, hey, Sabine did Ahsoka, and Sabine's gone. And he said, what happened to them? And then Hu Yang tells him why Sabine's training stopped. And this was my, and before I, and I've heard other podcasters who agree with me. My wife said, wow, people are agreeing with you, and they don't even know you. I'm like, yeah. Um, 
my first reaction was why was that not a conversation between Ahsoka and Sabine? Because there was tension that was built from the, you know, what, first or second episode. There was, you know, tension that was, and that would have been the, you know, she yells at the Howler a couple episodes ago when she was basically yelling at Ahsoka saying, you ditched me, you know, this would have been that moment to say, you know, why did you quit training me? I I quit tra- I quit training you because your family just got murdered, and I was afraid you were going to turn to the dark side like my master and slaughter everybody to get revenge, you know, and have that little. It would have taken just as long as Hu Yang telling the story to Ezra, and would have been far more effective. You know, then they could have had the the denouement, if you will, of Ahsoka saying. I'm not going to abandon you ever, you know, anymore, whatever choice you make, you know, I realize, you know, I don't like the choice you made back on Celos or whatever the planet was, but Hey, I'm going to be by your side no matter what. That would have been a nice five minute scene that would have just been a lot more effective than what they did. They just, they had to, they had to tell why, because they haven't told us why for seven episodes. And so they made Hu Yang do it. That bothered me. I don't hate it. I don't. Say I don't I hate it, but I just, well, okay. Well, I don't like, dislike man. it or see a lost opportunity in it because that that means that conversation hasn't been had yet, which means the two of them still need to have it. Um, and so, if there's going to be a little more tension between them going forward into season two, which we think might happen. Um, it's okay for that to not have been said yet. It's it's probably going to need to bubble up and and be said at some point. You know, um, except that it, and I, I'm sorry. The, the other, I mean, Sabine basically gets a pass on everything. I mean, she committed she committed the sins and didn't even have to go to confession and was just like, you know, yeah, all's good. You know, didn't have to say any Hail Marys, you know, whatever. It was just, you know, you know what I mean? She's like, she she never had to own up to anything to Ezra. She never had to own up to anything. To She just said sorry to Ahsoka. And Ahsoka said, oh, we're good. You know, and it's like, okay, I appreciate that. But there's, so it just left me with, there was, you know, I don't know. There, She, she never had to do any explaining. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, no, and, well, and, it's, and it's, go ahead, Dave. Oh, I was just briefly going to say that it, it, it for both of them, both of them have a lot more to say and both of them have a lot more to answer for. And they both need to work to repair the relationship. It's like this is the this is the first step. What Ahsoka does here. And I think that that's a kind of a key point, because the way that Hu Yang's talking with Ezra is he is discussing a master apprentice relationship, discussing two people being in a relationship where information, knowledge is shared, where, you know, a bond is formed. And we know for a fact, I mean, it's already been established for the previous seven episodes, that the bond between Sabine and Ahsoka was frayed, if not torn. It wasn't torn because they were there well to repair it, but that there's still issues there that may not have bubbled. You're right. They, you know, Sabine has yet to answer for, wait a minute, thanks to you, Thrawn, and the night sister and the great mothers of Dathomir are now back in the galaxy looking to wreak havoc upon it. 
And, uh, you know, who knows what they're going to do next? Stay tuned. But, you know, so on one level, you're like, wait a minute, Sabine did not get, not necessarily a, a comeuppance or, or punishment or whatever. This is what I mean. This is one of those story elements that get put to the side in favor of the emotional elements yeah. and payoffs. Because it should have been discussed. At some point, Sabina Soka should have sat down and gone, I can't believe I did that. I was in the wrong, whatever. But you're right. Ahsoka almost understands that that's, you know, she's kicking herself as much as anybody because she can't even acknowledge it. And, he, and can't acknowledge it to Ezra, I mean, to Ahsoka, to anybody. And here's the thing is that, okay, so let's assume there's another season. You know, we, they have already communicated to the viewers that, okay, this is why this happened. Mm -hmm. So there is no reason why they need to write another word about that. They don't need to... You know, it's like that's why some scenes get dropped, you know, because they said the exact same thing, you know, in another scene. It's so it's like they just need to move the story forward. And so right. my my point is, I don't think they're ever going to have that, that conversation talk. because it you know it doesn't need to be because we know what happened now, you know. Um, but let's move on to another get off my lawn moment from Aaron. <laughs> We're almost done, by the way. Um, storming the castle. Um and which, like a miracle which was which was fine but here's another one it, it's and i guess it's goes back to make this season make these make these seasons nine episodes because the thing that bothered me was like ezra you ever been here before no thrawn woke up the night sisters and then fixed the ship and it was too dangerous to come okay <laughs> You know, it's like they're all the, for how many episodes are we talking about? It's like, man, what do you, what has Ezra and Thrawn been doing here? You know, what are could there be these little nuggets that are placed in earlier episodes and not? Oh, crap. We have to explain something. We got to give them something. That's why I felt I felt like I was like throwing a cookie, you know, to, to keep me quiet on the couch for a while. Um, that that just little throwaway thing. Otherwise, it was all fine. You know, it was just. Yeah, because when you think about it, on a certain level, it's the equivalent of the somehow Palpatine return. Yeah, I mean, what do you, it's mean, the... what do you mean he woke up the, the, the witches? What do you, you know, how did he fix his ship? Where did he get the stuff? It's like, I'm even sitting here going, I mean, I don't need this in the episode, but I'm like, how long is his, has he had fuel for his Star Destroyer? You know, mm. <laughs> it's like, have you. But, you know, so so it's like if you're not going to explain anything, don't explain anything and save it for a comic <laughs> book, save yeah. it for a book, whatever. Don't give me the like, you know, don't give me the throwaway. Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And then. All right. Then just leave it. That, that, that just like I said, just seemed like kind of oh, oh crap writing. Dave, unmuted, so let him let him yeah. let him get at me. Yeah, go, Dave. Get him. No, it's fine. Um, you're fine. Everybody's fine. Do you it's see all my point, fine. though? Yeah, I do. I, mean, I do. It, it, this not is that not... it ruined the episode for me. It's just one of those things that made me go, eh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, um, I, yeah I, I agree. It could have come earlier. Um, it makes sense for Sabine to ask in that moment because she's they're headed towards the battle and she's oh, yeah, like wait absolutely. have you never done this before what are we in for here i need to know 
Um, so on that level, it makes sense. But I agree. Yeah. We we could have, yeah, we could have we could have dropped some knowledge on on our heads uh, two episodes ago. Yeah, and it would have created an interest because say you had an extra episode somewhere in the middle between this, you know, this episode and the, ever since we got to Peridia, it would have been an interesting dynamic to understand how Thrawn and Ezra have been surviving, you know, all this time, you know, to explore more about how difficult life there is. Maybe, mm. maybe Thrawn is harvesting, killing uh, Purgle. And harvesting them, and that's where he's getting the fuel for his ship. You know, and, uh, you know, in an old whaler-style Captain Ahab dynamic, you know, you know taking out his awesome. anger on the creatures that put him in the spot he's at. You know what's awesome about this scene, however, is when mm-hmm. they're bombarding, you know, everything they've got in the Star Destroyer, and they they miss, right? They, I mean, they just like shot the everything they had, and they miss. And seeing Thrawn, his face break. You see him like, you, like you. Thrawn is always don't play poker with Thrawn. With Thrawn, right? He's always calm, cool, and collected. And he was getting ticked, and that was you wanted to ask. You it, wanted it to ask who made that man a gunner. It, it was just. It was just a. It was just a hint of a snarl, and his eyes widened a little bit, and then he had to catch his breath. I thought that was played so well. I'm doing my best, sir. Sorry. Um, Light speed too slow. Yes, we're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Uh, yeah, no, it was great. Um, and uh, I liked the... Um, I mean, it's just... It's, there's so much going on here because, like you said, like... Not now, not in this exact moment, maybe, unless it related to what's about to occur. But we could have had flashbacks. I already did that in Boba Fett, and I did it. That was some of my favorite stuff in Boba Fett, was finding out, like, how did he get here? What's going on with him? And um, we could have done that here. Showed us how Ezra survived. Showed us how Thrawn survived. So what the drudgery that they've lived for a decade. Um and, you I'm, know. and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut I'm gonna cut a lot of slack here because I know how mm-hmm. it is. It's like you you go in like we record a CD and you put all these hours into arranging and recording and doing all this thing. And then when you go and you listen to that CD, you're like, God, I wish I would have had that one line back. I wish I would have been able to lay down this one. There's so I'm I'm guessing that if we were to ask you know Dave Filoni about these episodes he'd probably have a lot of stuff that oh i wish i would have you know in the moment it's like it's the right decision to make and you get the but so i'm yeah i'm like somebody cut some slack Um, yeah i just think i just thought it was a good idea and might have been something that they could have done or maybe even should have done i I would would agree yeah yeah because i mean one of the interesting aspects of this entire story or one, one of the big driving points is for both Thrawn and Estra, they you know, opposite sides, different dynamics, they're both trying to get the heck up out of there. And what's hinted, and of course it gets left as a cliffhanger, that there's a reason why they want to get out of there. We should have explored a bit more of some of the threats that they've been experiencing, why the night troopers look the way they do, why Captain Minaka looks the way he does. Just get a bit further into some of the dynamics that have shifted and created 
the characters that we meet when we meet them, just because number one, it would have been interesting, it would have been cool. Number two, fleshes out the story. But I think number three creates greater stakes. What the heck is, are we, you know, basically we leave Ahsoka and Sabine, when we get to the finale, behind. We should be probably fearing for their lives. We should be thinking, okay, they're together and they got some friends, but this is not a nice situation to be stuck in. It's like they're at turtle camp. Um, so it, it's funny that you mentioned that with Enoch. It's like, um, and I think Dave, I think you shared something over the weekend because you said it, some people are out there like, oh, this Captain Enoch, I want to know who he is. And I, I want to know, I want more of that story. And I wish we would have, and it's like, did anybody ever after Return of the Jedi go, I need more Wedge Antilles. I want to know Wedge's backstory. Where did he come from? What's it? You know what I mean? It's like, it, to me, some of those things is like, okay, there are things where I can push aside. Like, I don't really need to know where it'd be cool. To, it, it's interesting to think about where Captain Enoch came from and what's the deal there. But that doesn't make me itch as much as, like I said, some of these, you know, storylines that they dropped with, you know, the people that I've really come to care about over, you know, a bunch of years. Um, but like I said, no, I just find that funny that everybody like freaks out over the biggest. It would have happened in Boba with Boba Fett, you know, I guess. But otherwise, nobody was like clamoring for Wedge Antilles backstory. Um, OK, so we get in the castle. Zombie troopers. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm a big thumbs up for zombie troopers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we were critical that it seemed like they had dropped the whole green mist thing uh, in a previous episode when when those troopers got cut down. Okay, we're paying it off now. Um, make Make the audience wait a little bit, and then it's more satisfying when that reveal actually occurs. However, so. for the video game kids, if you want to kill the zombie trooper lightsaber to the head that will always kill the zombie trooper blasters won't work um this was so in this moment when they're fighting all the zombie troopers like i said which was really really cool there there was just one shot well there's one shot that is incredibly awesome and that's when ahsoka like slashes through about three of them and then is like center frame and it's a classic ahsoka pose and it was it was just awesome but before that, there was a shot, and it's just, and if Scott Colesby is listening to this, you know, he'll be proud of me because it's like he, in Rogue One, there's one shot that he doesn't like um, just because of the way they filmed it. And this to me is this shot. It's, it's a straight on, and all, and you have Ahsoka in the middle, Sabine on one side, and Ezra on the other side, and they're all just waving lightsabers. I mean, there's no, there's like no depth to the shot. It, it looks like they're in front of a green screen and it's just, and like the director said, all right, start waving your lightsabers, go. And then, then they cut to a wider shot of stormtroopers, you know, shooting and stuff like that. It's just one of those things where it's like, that just, it just looks goofy. Um, like the background Jedi and attack of the clones. Right. Right. You yeah. know? Um, like, they'll, like they'll fix it in post like they'll they'll add the cgi night troopers later and they forgot to you know it like i said it's i don't know it, it's, it's just one of those things um but mostly good i mean it's mostly good but it's, like i said it was just it, but it is one of those shots where it's just kind of like you know maybe somebody was in the room was like going man that's not all that good but like uh is it really worth you know 
the three days it's going to take to fix that shot. It's like, all right, we just have to move on. So I get it. Um, and just, but, but yeah, just to kind of go on the night troopers. Well, first of all, you know, you're going to get a few of those next year, the 500 first, because those, that looks cool. Yeah. But also I love the idea of an army. I mean, that they can just, because normally, I mean, most stormtroopers that our heroes come up with, they're cannon fodder. They go through them. We see it doing Rebels. We've seen it doing the original trilogy. We see it doing it in here. So the idea that they're an actual source of threat and fear, because don't matter how many times you knock them down, they keep getting back up, almost like a turn, like they're Terminators. It creates a different dynamic, and I think that's that's interesting. And it was cool, and it was fun because again. You're creating a sense of tension where maybe Ahsoka and Sabine don't make it, or maybe Ezra will pass away. I, I was always in the back of my head thinking, is this how Ezra dies? They doesn't make it back. Because that, you know, there has to be a way for him not to make it back, is what I thought. If somebody's not gonna make it back. Yeah. And that was one way to you know to think about it. So uh this leads into probably one of the best fight scenes I have seen in Star Wars and that is Ahsoka versus Morgan that was an awesome fight scene and that's why then at the I'm like going okay you save you saved all of it for the end that's great but if we could have gotten a little bit of what uh, just that talent of that actress Bruce Lee's goddaughter and you had her standing next to Thrawn <laughs> like a Kenner action figure for four episodes, you know? Now, so like I said, the fight scene was awesome, but it just makes me go, oh man, there could have been something more, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, what what do you guys think of this? Uh, am, I, am I overstating this fight scene? Need to credit the actress's name, right? Diana Lee Anasanto. Yeah. Um, she was incredible. She's just like I. I credited um the actress that uh, played Shin uh, several episodes back for her f- physicality and the way that she carried herself on screen and the way that that manifested in the duels that she had and. Um, this was like ratchet that up to 11. Oh my gosh. Uh, the choreography was, was incredible. Mm-hmm. So whoever designed it, um, like I said, just, yeah, was over the moon about it. Yeah. And women kicking butt, right? Yeah. They're Mary Sue's apparently. It's as if a, millions of people cried out in horror and were suddenly <laughs> silenced. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love is. Uh, what I really got into is just this is the rematch. Like I said, we saw them go round one, and Ahsoka won that one. And that's how she ended up incarcerated. That's how she ended up losing her staff, a best car. So the idea, no, she's coming back for round two. Super checked up and charged by the Nexus yeah. magic. Yeah, she's all. Juiced, and this uh, is what it's like, Drago. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, which kind of makes me think. That would have been an interesting dynamic over the last three episodes or so when she gets with the night with the great mothers. Just the idea of maybe they could have begun that process of viewing their power onto her and 
you know, kind of teaching her how to use all that to face off Ahsoka. It would have been interesting to see that happen over a couple of episodes because you're right. They, they did waste the opportunity with her just standing next to Thrawn going, uh, you're going to send just two Star Fighters? You know what they could have done with her is just have her train. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, like Rocky and Drago, just like showing her like lifting weights and like swinging lightsabers around. Didn't have to be the reveal of we're giving you the magic. That's the culmination. I thought it was appropriate in this episode. Um, but previously, yeah, they could have showed her the chip on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I kind of want to take down Ahsoka here. I want to do that. So I'm going to train. That would have been better, I think. But it doesn't take mm-hmm. away from the fight. The fight was like, I mean, I didn't feel shortchanged on the fight. I, I thought it was maybe could have gone a smidge longer, but um, it, but otherwise it was really, really awesome. Well, one thing that they did really well that was smart is in every, one of the, in every fight, you always want to have a sense of like a ticking clock. Because that's basically what's happening here is Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra are racing as a clock to get on that Star Destroyer on the Chimera. So that's what Morgan's fighting. Morgan's trying to keep him off. So the sense of every moment that Ahsoka has to fight Morgan, he may, you know, very fancy get away from Meridia's going slipping past her. So that creates a sense of tension on top of the, the fact that she's fighting somebody to the death. So uh, I thought that was really well done without it being calling attention to it. So, um, as, uh, Sabine and Ezra are, uh, well, as, as Ahsoka is, is fighting Morgan, that Sabine and Ezra are, like you said, they're running, trying to get to the star destroyer and they run into zombie death troopers, which was even spookier. Um, and like I said, lightsaber to the head kids. Um, and we see Sabine use the force, um, not once, but twice. Um, and it, you know, it totally made sense to me, given the conversation she had with Ahsoka. Um, and actually I'm going to say there's another, there's another cool thing that happened during the little battle, but you know, the conversation she had with Ahsoka, where Ahsoka said, you know, train your body, train your mind, trust in the force. And that seemed to, so it was, and that, but that whole conversation of whatever choice you make, I'm going to be with you. That's what Sabine has been missing is feeling like she had her, that her master had her back. And I think that makes sense to me. now. it's like, Ahsoka thinks I can do it. I know I can do it. You know, I've got her support. So the lightsaber flying into her hand. Cool. Um, and then doing the force push, uh, of, Ezra, it's cool. A nice Rebels callback. I thought it was cool, but like I said, back in the the battling of the uh, Death Troopers, where she's using the lightsaber, Sabine is, and Ahsoka at one point says, "Sabine, blasters," because Sabine was missing some things, and Ahsoka was like, "You know what? We need we need you on second base. We don't need you in right field right now. You know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. And and I think that's going to be the cool thing if there is another season of. Like Ahsoka said earlier, I need Sabine to be herself and not to be a Jedi and wield a lightsaber. It's like, you're good with a blaster. Go for it. I thought I thought those things were all kind of cool in there. What would you think about Sabine using the Force? All of that was great. And I, um, 
I circle back to the you, the callbacks are always so wonderful. It's like we, we, we go to the trouble of setting these things up so that when you call them back later on, it's very satisfying for the viewer. Um, and, of course, her un being unable to utilize the force and training and being unable to force push things or for force pull things. Um, and finally that coming through here. And again, like you said, for the exact same reason that she has faith, you know, like she has faith being placed upon her. So now she has the ability to use her faith in the force in, in the appropriate manner to, to ultimately have success. Um, the other callback here that I, that I think is just um, fabulous is, um, Ahsoka just telling her, I'm not going to leave you. And so what does Sabine do? She doesn't leave right. Ahsoka. She has the option, right? As was calling to her, come on up, you know, I'll be able to pull you up. And she chooses to stay mm -hmm. because Ahsoka already chose to stay. And Hu Yang said, you're always better together. You're always better together. Stay together. Yeah. Together, yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really well pointed. This is kind of what I'm when I kept when I talk about the emotional payoff, the emotional climax and conclusion to season one. Because uh Sabine in such a weird way has been in such a journey from somebody who was by herself, wanted nothing to do with most people, was just you know, didn't even want the recognition that her bravery and her actions had gained her. She just wanted to be left alone because she felt so despondent about where her reality now kind of was based. So to go from that to be back in a place where she's willing, able, happy to stay behind, to stay with Ahsoka is, and that's the way, you know, in a way that's, oh, that's also helping her connect with the Force. It's helping her be a better student of, and a better Jedi. And I love that though. I love the fact that, yes, Ahsoka's recognizing that Sabine is not like her. Sabine is not like Anakin. Sabine is not like any other Jedi she's met before, not even like Ezra. You know, there's a whole identity that comes with her being a Mandalorian that she has to marry to the idea of being a Jedi in terms of her being able to achieve the maximum that she can on both halves. Like, she's not going to be just a Mandalorian, just a Jedi. She's going to be both. But in order to do that, she needs to accept what each side can do. So I enjoyed it for that. I think, yeah, she, I mean, again, cast the characters, Natasha Lee Bordiso, nailed the role, nailed the character, the character nailed the part. So um, I can't wait for more. Um, I will briefly, too, here, just circle back to my point about Ahsoka, which is that, mm -hmm. like, her character growth over the course of this series is the point. Um, mm -hmm. And she comes to this point here, uh, in the final episode where she has to sort of give up this control, this idea of controlling things. And 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 towards that end, like very early on in this episode, she tells Sabine, no matter what you do, I'm I'm not leaving you. I'm I'm, I'm I've got your back. And like that giving up that sort of um my way or the highway my way or the highway sort of yeah. positioning right um that incredibly valuable for her um and and like healing for their relationship and um just so much growth for her too and and i really appreciate just this idea of 
it sort of manifesting in everything and you see it everywhere if you want to see it again this is just my pet theory it, it, you know it could be completely 100 bs but when you see, i see things that occur on screen like oh um i'm i'm in the middle of this fight with morgan and i know that i need to hurry but i send my padawan instead like she's letting her take care of it she's like it's okay she's got this i'm going to trust her i'm letting go of trying to force the issue here and again like the the peace with which she has she she realizes her fate you know like fairly early on in this which is just like i'm not gonna make it I mean, one way or the other, I'm getting left behind here. Um, she's okay with it because it's like she feels like it's more important that her allies find a way back as well so that they can ultimately stop Thrawn at the end of the day. Um, the end goal for her is more important than her own personal uh, goals. And I, and I just think like she's there now. She's arrived and she wasn't there at the beginning of this series. But now she's there. So and uh, so Thrawn gets away. Um, but before he does, he has like a little open channel. He's just a little monologue at Ahsoka. And I thought the line that might just get your guys' take on this when he said, maybe this is proper for a, a Ronin like you. Um, seemed to be kind of a little bit of a dig of, you know, you weren't, you, you didn't stick with the Jedi. You, you know... I don't know what 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 do you think? Was that did that line stick out to you when it happened? Um, given the same nature of you know the way we portray or uh, portray Ahsoka, I thought it was an interesting term because I mean it's it's a real world term. Right, Ronin is a masterless samurai. It's a you know a warrior who has nobody to serve, nobody to protect, nobody to defend. So the idea that uh, uh, Thrawn sees um, Ahsoka in such a term, in such a dynamic, it's interesting because basically what he's saying is there's nothing to you. You serve no one, you protect nothing, you're worthless, you're meaningless, which that's kind of the whole point of his dick is that he's insulting her by saying you've, you've failed at everything and up to and including stopping me from getting back home. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting moment because he, and I also think it shows us in a certain way how he views the world. Thrawn is very much a, a neat order kind of guy. He sees terms and you know things in terms of black and white and where things stand, uh, much the way like much of the Empire does. But his is you know because he has that little artistic quality to his uh, way of thinking. Sometimes he can come out a bit different, but he still views the world in terms of uh, this is why it works and this is where people stick and this is what the roles they serve. Which is why he had to know everything he had to know about Ahsoka because she was an unknown. All that knowledge gained, he could categorize her and catalog her. But the problem with that is that it's almost like he missed, like he got the terminology maybe right, but he missed the essence of who Ahsoka is, which still kind of shows that he still has a blind spot in some ways to some of what the Jedi are. He also kind of tries to dig at her um, in that he knows full, fully what Anakin mm -hmm. turned into. Mm -hmm. And he alludes to that. Um, like, Oh, maybe it's better for you here on this, you know, godforsaken planet where you can, uh, you know, 
give in to your dark, uh, darker impulses. Um, she's really kind of, you know, twisting the knife in, you know, because this is what she has been in fear of uh, over the course of this this entire series. Is like I don't want to turn into Anakin, um, and uh, and so like I he he clued into that and and he found a raw uh, area on her and 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 stuck the knife in there at the end and i thought that was appropriate he couldn't resist getting his his word in because he's like i've won i need to let you know that i've won before i prove it to you and uh yeah no i I felt that was all very much in character so um then we we basically get the uh the epilogue here i suppose but anyway um we'll hit a couple things ezra gets back home um and i under, i understand oh shuttle uh yeah i under i understand why they did it the way they did but it's like are you are you that dumb that you're gonna walk onto a new republic starship dressed as a stormtrooper i mean just you just assume they're not gonna shoot first and ask questions later you know but anyway that, that's just neither here nor there um the thing that bothered me about it I was touched by the scene. I love that Chopper came, was the first one. It's like, it's like your dog when you're dressed up in something. Dog knows, you know, no, that's dad. You know, you can't fool me. Um, but uh, so I dug that. But the thing that I, I guess you said you were wait, you're wanting the emotional payoff. It's like Hera seeing basically her adopted son. Assuming he's been dead you know, hoping that he might be alive, probably reconciled that she's never going to see him again. And here he is standing right in front of her with all the cane and baggage and, you know, everything else. And the most we get is Ezra. Hi, Hera. Cut. I mean, that was one of the things where it's like, it, that was my Leia's pe- walking by chewy moment in the force awakens. You know, that, that part didn't bother me because, you know, they had people to take care of. This was one of those things where I expected like, you know, after all that Hera has been through to let her guard down as a general and act as a mother would, if, if she saw her long dead son in front of her after, you know, 15 years. So that was just kind of, like I said, don't hate the scene, but it's just like, oh my God, you know, get the Kleenex if that would have at least been a hug, you know? So I just thought it was a missed moment. And I think this is where uh, we really have to consider the fact that if you are a fan of Rebels, which we all are, you want that. You want a bigger moment for that. But if you're not, if you've never seen Rebels, making it a bigger deal might have felt That's off-putting. True when you don't give that to any of the other characters. I mean, in in this show, just Ahsoka, we've spent the same amount of time with Ezra and a little bit less than we did with Balin and we did with Shin. Sabine, and got, yet, Sabine got a hug. So, well, so, but, so, but my point is, Sabine is uh, has been with us since the beginning, but my point being, but, it was, uh, but, but my point being, in this episode, at the end of this episode, 
we only get a glimpse of Balin and a glimpse of Shin, and we've had as much time with them as we had with us in this that's show. That's my bigger get off my lawn moment is that we get five seconds in this episode of Balin and Shin. It's like mm-hmm. talk about like taking it, it's like you just took the best action figures you had and threw them in the sewer. <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, yeah. But I love, but I love the moments that they give to Shin and to Bale. I mean, Shin gets them. You know, she's somebody who's been seeking power and leadership, and she gets that with the Raiders. So the dollar, she goes to the you know the discount Tuscan Raiders. I mean, I that that really, I I understand she's looking for. It would have made more sense for her to get on the Star Destroyer and be with Thrawn because of what Balin said. Go you know serve your empire type of a thing but who is she who is she there you know like is it better to be a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond and i think like for her for her character big fish in a little pond was appealing uh, partly out of the sense of belonging that we talked about earlier she didn't seem like she really fit in anywhere she was like i really i really want to feel important i will if you're part of a group um so yeah i think on that level it worked for me just fine um i don't think she's gonna find what she wants there and i think like that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out if ultimately we get that but i have um, a suggestion for them by the way if i mm -hmm. can because you know ray stevenson unfortunately passed away um and because you know and his thing is that he's at the end standing on you know the crazy horse monument that's been changed to uh the father father and the son and the daughter um but if there is a second season i think the out that they have there is that they could have like a two-minute scene where she explains you know i found my master and you know he had been he was mortally wounded or whatever. And, you know, he told me what, so she could carry on what Balin is looking for. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Since she's on Peridia, she could take that and they can tweak that story a little bit. So, um, could have it where she tries to lead her new band of, uh, Discount store, Tuscan Raiders against Sabine and Ahsoka and their their, uh, Ninja Turtle clan. And they get beat back, and she's once again left with nothing. So she goes seeking out Balin, finds his remains, and finds what the power that he was after, and she can become the vessel. Because what's interesting is, and this is kind of, I mean, I've heard some some people suggest actors who could step into the role for Ray Stevenson. Part of me wonders if this is something, I mean, we've seen it happen before. I mean, Emperor Palpatine was not played by Emperor Palpatine the first time we saw him. Wasn't even him. So we've had characters recast here, there, and everywhere. But at the same time, it's his presence and his performance was so great that if we get somebody else on it, it's gonna it's gonna feel out at the beginning. So I do wonder if maybe your suggestion, Aaron, is well, one that makes more sense. You have a character who's been trained by Balin, who is seeking power. What if he finds? What if Balin rejects the power when he finds it, gets killed for it off screen or whatever, and then they bring in. And Shin finds it after she's at her lowest and submits to it. I, it could be that, like I said, or like you said, I mean, Harry Potter, you know, had a Dumbledore for two episodes, two movies, and then two movies, totally yeah. different yeah. Dumbledore. 
no, so, that's. I mean, yeah. could be done, but um, three is a crowd. Uh, it's going to be odd to have uh, one protagonist or one antagonist and two protagonists in this uh, in this way, and you're going to have to be creative about how you occupy um, Sabine or Ahsoka at any given moment, so as to keep them kind of on a level playing field with Shin. Um, or they recast Ray, um, which I, I mean that he's he, he he was so wonderful. It would be hard to do that. Um, I, yeah, I know. I I'm I'm grateful. I don't have to make that decision. Kind of, if you do decide to go the recasting Ray dynamic, you could kind of take a page from the Matrix sequels, who unfortunately lost their. Uh, one of their key characters in the Oracle when she passed away between movie two and movie three and recast her and basically explained, oh, she was the victim of an attack. She had to reconstitute herself and, you know, you never put yourself back together the same way. You can always say, look, he got exposed to the power that he found, which is, you know, we see a green hand. I mean, everybody in their mama on the internet is just saying, Abeloff, 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 like, like it's going to be Candyman up here at, at your, uh, mirror yeah. you know it's in season two so you could always say look this is still the same character just he's been transformed by the power we know that the power that the night sisters use does change the nature and the physicality of the of the people and beings that they use it also wouldn't surprise me so then at uh we get we see uh morai the owl the convor um mm -hmm. which it's like that owl gets around, um, gets into the world between worlds. How's that happened? Um, you know, it gets to another galaxy. Anyway, um, so I mean, there's there's more to that story. It's, I'm no speculating, but uh, but then uh, we got um, Force Ghost Anakin at the end. Yeah, which um, which was cool. I mean, made sense. Um, it's not clear as to whether or not ahsoka saw him or sabine saw him or they both saw him um maybe that's left to be ambiguous um you know i just i almost i almost wish they would have held on him just a little bit longer than they did it was it was i mean but it was cool to see him at the end there so what do you think force ghost anakin there are a lot of theories about this um and i don't know how deeply we want to dive into any of them but uh um what's the wildest one well, there's a, the, the the big one is that he's uh, the actual father from the Mortis, the Mordai. Um, he is the that is his that is now his destiny. That is his role. He is the father, and um, and we're going to see all that unfold. I think we're I think it's more allegorical than that, um, but. I mean, who knows? Like, there's a lot they can do with that particular story. Just the fact that the, these figures are here on this planet in a in a different galaxy um, changes things. It's like it's this is all very it's it's more um, um, spiritual at this point in nature. It's le less uh, physically manifested because it's like, well, there are these people. How are they here? But they're also over here. And and now Anakin's in the middle of it potentially, and so 
but again, like it could just mean, hey, I'm here for Ahsoka. She's learning just, on part. Of, she's fulfilled her promise as a Jedi, and so now she's ready well, it's, it's to interact like, with me. Like and Ahsoka saying to Sabine, "I got your back." This is mm-hmm. Anakin saying, "I he was," and that's what happened in that too, episode yeah. of when they're in the world between worlds and everything. It's like I got your back, basically. You know, I'm still here to teach you. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I saw like I saw like memes about that, like where he like Anakin's like, you know, he sees all this other stuff going down in the other galaxy, like with his kid and everything. He's like sitting there eating a sandwich, but. <laughs> But you see, you know, Ahsoka has her little run in and he's like, oh, I'm there, you know, Um, you know. So, yeah, it's kind of funny on that level to think like, well, okay, if he's heavily invested in this story, it does open up more questions and and you open up potential problems for people. But it's it's lovely within the context of this Mm -hmm. story this season that we saw and what we already got from him and that's, um, that's, in the world between worlds. So, and that's like I said with this, you know, here we are at the end with, if, if there is a season two, then this episode is a, like a nine for me. You know, if we don't get a season two, then it doesn't get that high of marks just because like I said, if, if I knew something more was coming, I think, you know, I'd be okay with it, but I'm just until, until I got until I see something on, you know, being filmed. Um, and like I said, there's the possibility that the story could continue through skeleton crew in some way. Um, I think what, if I could suggest, I think the interesting aspect of skeleton crew, because what we know that story is that it's a bunch of kids lost in the galaxy, Goonie style. And, Drew Law's involved and he's a force user. And I could see where a skeleton crew could be a good way to introduce the impact that Thrawn is having throughout the galaxy as he's as he emerges as a power and a threat without necessarily saying, oh, here's Thrawn and this is who he is and getting into the whole idea of, of his character. I mean, you may have a car- somebody who was from Lothal and say, oh yeah, back during the Civil War, there was his Grand Admiral and he got defeated by a Jedi and went away and now he's back but i could see where they could do that but that doesn't necessarily answer some of the bigger questions that story-wise that that this episode left like bail and shin how do Ahsoka and sabine get back because they're gonna have to get back before that december 2026 release by dave filoni you know heir to the empire so i that's why i think i'll be surprised if there isn't a season two because the kind of questions that this needs to answer can't just be solved in a very special episode of Mandalorian season four or on another extra episode of Book of Boba Fett, or, you know, extra special Book of Boba Fett, nothing to do with Boba Fett. Uh, just real quick on the Anakin thing, I, I what I took about it, what I got the most about it was it's good confirmation that the things that we saw happening in the world between worlds between Ahsoka and Anakin were not her having you know, delusions as he's drowning. I think it's a good confirmation to say, no, he did come in, he did help her, he was still being her master and was guiding her towards finding a place of peace with who she was, her own identity, and her identity as his partner one. So, I think, you know, we might never see Hayden again, which would be a shame, I think. Uh, I've loved having him on all these shows, particularly in this one, because his character is so intrinsically linked with Ahsoka. 
But if we if we forget a season two and he's not back, I could understand it. I mean, you know, there's only so many ways you can shoehorn Hayden into this without it beginning to feel like a pit. Like, okay, how many extra videos did he was he recording? Did they leave the recording on? You know, did, did you catch him making a sandwich or going to the bathroom? What kind of thing? So, uh, but yeah, overall, I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if we get a season two because so can Sabine gotta get back. We know this. And it'll be interesting if they, if they come back, if they bring back the whatever powers in Peridia back with them to scare Thrawn. You have much more faith in Disney than I do right now. So well, I'm going uh, yeah. to need, need some of that. Like I said, it's, uh, you know, once bitten, twice shy. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it, I, it was, like I said, it's a gamble. You know, if you don't, even even at celebration, so you know Rosario Dawson. I was watching some of the the interview clips. She's like, you know, maybe we'll, you know, if you guys like it enough, we'll get a season two. So what you said earlier, Dave, is like, what? How the ratings? You know, it's like depending on what the ratings are like, that determines whether or not there's a, maybe a season two. Um, we may need to dedicate a whole another episode to just that discussion. Like, what does the future hold? Kind of a thing because there's a lot. Um, in terms of the story, but also in terms of like what what logistically will happen here? Will the will we get another season? Will we get a movie? Will we get this? We don't know. Um, two two quick points. This is um, this show looks expensive because it probably was expensive, yeah. and That's the ratings are so dope. Sorry, but go ahead. Um, it's an expensive looking show probably expensive and it the ratings were so so um as far as we know so yeah i think people have a reason to be nervous about this maybe happening and if you are watch the show again tell your friends encourage other people to watch the show because um i for one really liked it i think it was really good uh, as a Rebels fan, it was a wonderful payoff for all of that content. But I also think that the story worked on its own. And I can't always say that about these Disney series. Uh, so, um, yeah, I would encourage people keep watching. Go back, watch it again. Tell other people. Because uh, that ultimately may decide it. And it may come back and it may be the budget may be cut. And we're all gonna have to be okay with that. Five episodes instead of eight, right? And the effects and the costume design and all of those things. Oh, that was in the volume, wasn't it? You know, that kind of thing. Um, be okay with that. <laughs> you know, get ready for that because that may be what you get. Um, but for now, great show. Loved it. Uh, I hope to see more. Yeah, same. I th and I think I think I go back to what I said a few weeks back. I'm loving the difference between the various Star Wars shows on Disney Plus. You know, Andor was all political intrigue, very much uh, a show about schemers, machinations, civil war, ground base. There was you know it was very dour, very dark. Ahsoka is much more light and actiony and fun. 
And even in the middle of a battle, you have people quipping and joking. So it's a, it's a good yang to the other's yang. And I think uh, Mandalorian somewhere in the middle. So as long as we're able to get different kind of flavors within our Star Wars, I'm fine. I'm enjoying it. And I'll keep enjoying it. And I'll keep watching it because I hate when it's about... I love, love that everybody said, this is the best Star Wars ever. This is the best Star Wars ever. And it's been said about Ahsoka. And I'm sure within by episode three of Skeleton Crew, people are going to say, never mind that. This is the best Star Wars ever. Which kind of tells you, okay, maybe they're doing something right. Maybe Bob Iger should listen to uh, Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau. But what do I know? Well, you all can let us know what you think of Ahsoka and the finale and everything. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on the street, whatever. Uh, we love to talk Star Wars at any time. So uh, uh, until we hear from you, and until you hear from us next week, we'll say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Have an awesome week. My monkey.